0: The strong, worn hands gripped the carved lion's heads of the armrests. Everyone rose, save the black armored guards, who stood motionless before the tapestries, the honed steel edges on the blades of their glaives, catching the beams of light from the high, round rosette windows. It glittered, too, on the carved wood and gold leaf of the coffered ceiling. One of her grandmother Sandra's salvage expeditions had brought it back with much else from a palace on the coast of Westria, California that was, built for some forgotten prince of the old Americans' generations prior to the change. Moorish craftsmen had first wrought it for Spanish lords half a thousand years before that, across the Eastern Sea in Andalusia. Orla was suddenly conscious of it. What dramas had it seen in its journey across seas and centuries? What might it behold between now and the time of her grandchildren's grandchildren? Everyone had knelt, save the guards. Except, of course, Rako and her followers. She was a reigning monarch in her own right, not a subject of the High Kingdom, and had remained standing after a respectful inclination of the head. Her followers had bowed deeply instead. Her dark kimono, with a subtle black-on-black pattern and gray-striped hakama and dark gray five-kamon haori jacket, were crisply perfect, but gave a note of sober formality to the occasion. For starters, it was men's formal dress where she came from, apart from the high belting of the hakama. It stood out vividly amid the multicolored and wildly varied splendor of lords and delegates from all of Monteval's member realms. There was even a party of Lakota from the easternmost border marches, in the fringed and beaded leather and the eagle-feather bonnets they kept for special occasions and impressing outsiders. Todenangst was familiar home ground to Orla but she could tell the Japanese had been impressed by the sheer alien bulk of the great fortress palace town and positively shaken beneath their impassive politesse when they realized it had been built right after the change, when their grandparents had been scrambling for bare survival. What castles they had in Japan now were either refurbished survivors from very ancient times or much smaller modern copies. Of course, Grandfather Norman built this to impress people, to intimidate people. Well, to crush them, really. Nana Sandra said he'd been drawing plans for it even before the change. Nobody's even ever tried to besiege it. The engineers he'd rounded up in his initial coup had picked a suitable hill with a nearby stream, then set to work with girders, rebar, concrete, Fresno scrapers, and thousands upon thousands of steel cargo containers brought in over the railway, often by gangs of laborers hauling on ropes. Sometimes she felt a little uneasy remembering the hosts who died building the great pile, and his other works. There was no getting around the fact that her mother's father had been something close to the platonic ideal of merciless tyrant, and possibly, almost certainly, more than a little mad in a functional sort of way. And yet, nearly all of those people would have died anyway. Hundreds of thousands who would have died otherwise had lived because of his ruthless vision. Rako had the two swords thrust through her sash and the steel Tessin warfan in her hand, and more than one eye among the ranks of watchers turned to the old gold-colored silk cords and sharkskin Of Kusanagi no Tsurugi's hilt. An ancient monk, shaven headed and saffron robed among the emissaries of the monastery of Chinrezi, far off eastward across the mountains in the Valley of the Sun, took a sharp breath and made a gesture of reverence with his palms pressed together before his face. The High Queen wore a coat hardy and deep forest green that showed her six months' pregnancy rather obviously and she looked exhausted beneath an iron resolution, her face framed by a pinned-back mourning veil of black gauze, held by a silver and gold band and a chain of office around her neck, plaques alternating the lidless eye of the Armingers and the spread-winged raven of House Artos. Orlo was in a kilt of the Mackenzie green-brown-orange tartan, with a plaid pinned back.